0: Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Head over to Cufflinks.com this holiday season and you will find amazing gifts for everyone in the family. They got socks, ties, belts, cufflinks, of course, and a host of other stuff that you're just going to love. It's going to make you look good when you step out in the morning. And they've always got codes for you to save. Use code ELVES. Elves, baby, just like Santa. And get free three-day shipping on any order over $100 plus 15% off. What? 15% off $100 plus plus free three-day shipping. It's a holiday bonanza at cufflinks.com. And that's from December 4th to the 18th. Go out and use that code ELVES. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use that code. Support our sponsor. Thank you, Cufflinks. We love you. Happy holidays. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Watchmen? My name is Axel, and my co-host today and every Friday is, of course, Roberto Suarez. Hello, Roberto.
1: Hello, Axel. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing good. Just <laughs> got home from uh, getting our Christmas tree. Oh nice. Yeah, we yeah. decorated
0: ours th- this evening. It was a lot of fun.
1: Nice. We we still haven't decorated it. We just put it up and then we're waiting for my daughter to come back from college on Saturday and then she's going to help us decorate. It.
0: That's nice. Yeah, we always love doing that. We actually we watched Frosty the Snowman. Oh, that's a classic. Come on. You can't get better than that. Well, today we will not be talking about Frosty. We're going to be talking, <laughs> uh, taking it, uh, we're going to dive deep and reading some feedback about Watchmen Season 1, Episode 7, entitled In Almost Religious Awe. You can send us feedback at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. And also, don't forget to check out dvrpodcast.com. Thanks to Kim from New Jersey and E. Bradley for the very kind iTunes reviews please keep them coming. I set a goal of 50 and we're actually at 47. So that is really awesome. And both Kim and E Bradley wrote some very kind words. We appreciate it. And we appreciate everyone that takes the time to do that. We also appreciate our new patrons. I set a goal of 30 and with Tay, John, Elena, and this week, Giuseppe or juice as we can call them. And Kim herself, Kim from New Jersey, a double crown winner today, recently joining us. We're at 28. Uh, And I just want to thank all of our patrons. I'm going to take a, just a moment here to thank Andy, Ben, Beth, Bill, Brett, Cindy, Dennis, Derek, Elena, Gina, Giuseppe, Heath, James, Jeff, Jenny, John, Joseph, Kellum, Kim, Matt, Peter, pizza eaters, Rob, Sandy, Scott, Tay, Tariq, and of course, Vernon. All right. That was everybody. And now, most importantly, Roberto.
1: Let's- hello, hello. <laughs> well, you got some uh, news and things that you want to cover here. So,
0: Yes, but I just wanted yes. to say your name and remind everyone you're still here as I keep on talking.
1: Yes, I'm still here. I'm still here. Um,
0: yeah, let's just dive right in. Uh, there's not a ton of news this week. But there were some two fun PDPedia articles, and the first was a medical report uh, that was Cal's medical report from Vietnam in 2009 when Angela brought him to the hospital and he was suffering from amnesia. She found him, reportedly found him in an alley. Um, and this is actually mentioned. I wanted to bring. I don't know. Do you remember this, Roberto? I can't remember if it was Lori or whether it was true that said to her. It's rare for people to forget everything and have amnesia, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I believe it was true. Okay. And, and they had they had set up the accident. I think back in episode
0: one, when she was describing yes.
1: to the class how they met, but they had left out the part of the about the amnesia.
0: Yeah, and that's that's that. This medical report is giving us just a little bit of background to how they met, circumstances of how. Of course, obviously, we know that Cal is Doctor Manhattan. Um, so I thought this was really cool. Uh, you had some questions. You noticed that Cal had a different last name in the medical report.
1: Yes, the last name in the medical report is Jelani. It is not uh, a Bar. Uh, so, so Abar is his I mean, Abar is Angela's last name, and apparently Calvin took on her last name when yeah. they married. It's from what it looks like here, and I did some research trying to find out if Jalani means anything. And the only thing that <laughs> that could potentially uh, relate, which I don't, I doubt it has anything to do with it, but it's through Urban Dictionary. There are multiple definitions for Jalani. Uh, meaning a guy that everybody wants to hang out with or like an athletic guy or the big man on campus. Really? A, a guy who's known to be the best <laughs> lover. It's it's all like a slang term for like a cute, sexy guy that everybody wants to hang out with. So that's I don't know if there's if there's anything intentional uh, in that sense, but I thought it was interesting that that's the name that he has. And then that you know maybe it leads more credence again to whatever relationship they have if if she, if he somehow made the decision uh to join humanity if Manhattan made the decision to join humanity by becoming becoming cal um that perhaps uh it made sense for him to take her last name I don't know that's that's a little I just found that interesting
0: you know one thing I was thinking when I saw that too it maybe it Um, You know, Damon has named a lot of people after different other – you know, the names have had meaning in this. Yeah. And there is the famous um, black professor and journalist, Jelani Cobb. Okay. And I thought maybe it was a reference to him because that dude is awesome and he's he's done a lot of great writing. And actually, he's – also done uh, – there was a couple front lines, I think, or, that he took part in that are PBS specials that I saw with him. And uh, he's always popping up with something very interesting to say. And, of course, along the lines of race, politics, history, culture.
1: Well, that makes perfect yeah. sense because, I mean, he's been doing it since the days of Lost, attributing exactly. philosophers' names to characters and yep. things like that. So that, makes, that probably makes more sense than my urban dictionary uh, theory here.
0: Maybe that, um, Maybe that's after him. Maybe, who knows?
1: Uh, But I mean, there's some interesting stuff here to to wonder, you know, because this episode of course, the big reveal being that Cal has been Dr. Manhattan all along is is Cal a separate person from Dr. Manhattan, that Dr. Manhattan somehow took over his identity or did Dr. Manhattan make up this Calvin character uh, you know, in order to to become uh, a human, and then obviously there's something going on with that device that uh, Angela pulled out of his head that maybe was suppressing his uh, memory, so that he maybe the, the only way that Manhattan realized he could truly experience humanity is by somehow forgetting that he is Doctor Manhattan. So lots of yeah. questions left there. Um, you know, the it's been reiterated from from episode one that Manhattan cannot take the form of somebody else, which obviously could be a a huge red herring, right? I mean, if they, if they made a point of saying early on, Manhattan cannot take uh, the shape of other people, then chances are that he can. So I guess we'll be learning soon. However, how that process uh, actually happens.
0: Yeah, it is. And you know what? I, I bet. Being as though this is so much a part of what this show does that that decision or the way that happens is going to resonate through the rest of the themes that we're seeing here. Because you could see if he actually has to take another human and take over their body – Right that's like a choice that he and Angela make together then it's very yeah. you know what i mean that or may-
1: or maybe it was a situation yeah. like in that old uh, John Carpenter movie Starman where uh, you know, the, the alien took over the body of a person who had died. Yeah, true. So maybe it's something like that. Maybe maybe Angela responded to an accident.
0: Oh. And
1: the I real guess. Cal died in that accident. And then Manhattan took on his identity or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like
0: this is, that's a total comic book thing too, right? Yeah. Like this is our chance. We have to, he's fresh enough. Can, is it still, mm-hmm. you know, and then she, puts this it just like melds into his head or something right and right maybe so some,
1: maybe something along those lines i find it interesting in the notes that this dr bracket makes in the uh, in the medical report that the patient is uncommonly passive and quiet polite and composed unusual for fugue patients had took great interest in my dr manhattan bobblehead <laughs> uh, but, but that was a, an interesting little quote yeah. there uh, from the doctor in the medical report. So yeah,
0: that was kind of cool. Um, yeah,
1: kind of interesting.
0: And the next one is another memo by Petey, AKA Lube Man, because I'm still Mm -hmm. convinced he's Lube Man. I think you are too. Um, And this is just talking a little bit more about now, like Angela and the relationship to the film, the sister night movie and her persona. And it goes in a little bit about the history because, you know, as you had discussed in this world, uh pirate stories and other kind of stories are more popular than superhero stories because there there are superheroes there are masked vigilantes right. so that's not what populates their comics but this talks about kind of like pre um a little bit there they talk a little bit because they mentioned like superman oh, did exist and it also
1: seems to be unique to the vietnamese yes, state too that, so exactly. it's very possible that things kind of evolved a little bit differently on the vietnamese That's territory great. especially if this was a state that was liberated by at least under the perception of some of the folks there by a superhero so maybe it's a different story in vietnam because manhattan was such a critical a uh, component of vietnam becoming a state exactly uh, and as we could tell from this episode there's folks who are uh, in support of the uh vietnam being a u.s territory and there there are those who are against it so maybe it could have been just kind of part of the of the natural evolution of things in a place uh, like vietnam
0: yes and um one of the interesting points is that they do talk about a series of heroes like you're talking about that became popular in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and sister night being one of them, but also Batman is one of them. Yes. And a lot, and the, a lot of these heroes were black heroes. Yes. Um, so it's interesting. There's also a little part where he mentions that will took Metropolis's money that we talked about how Metropolis at the end of his life left everything to will. Right. And uh and that's how he bought this movie theater mm-hmm. in Harlem.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing to to piggyback on the on the rise of the superhero genre in Vietnam, it mentioned Petey mentions that a large population of African Americans migrated to Vietnam to escape racism in the United States. Mm, yeah. And so maybe as part of that migration, part of that, you know, creative output of the African American community in Vietnam was to do movies. That, you know, uh, focused on heroes because most of the heroes in, in the United States were white heroes. So maybe this is an opportunity for the black community to embrace the hero uh, superhero and create black heroes that spoke to them.
0: Yeah, and I found that really interesting because that idea of Angela being uh, in Vietnam and growing up black in Vietnam mm-hmm. after... Being kind of like the other, in two senses, there. Right. right? Uh, even though she is a part of this, you know, conquering people um i thought that was really interesting so this little these little tidbits that they're giving us is good and you know what i have to say in general about these pdpedia we're 7 episodes in they're not like inundating us with it there's not like 50 articles a week i really like the way that there's only like 2 3 things um, yeah. and it just gives us it fills in the gaps but also if you were watching the show and you didn't know any of this they are telling you some they of are. It in the show so they i like are. that i thought it's yeah. really yeah. good I,
1: I think they're doing a better job yeah. uh hbo has done something similar with westworld but i think sometimes the amount of stuff they put on the website for westworld can be a little overwhelming so i like that this is just like you said Just a couple of pieces to supplement what we're watching.
0: Yeah. And uh, the only other news piece I have is just another great article sent in by Grandpa James from The Hollywood Reporter. And it has a little bit about Damon discussing this episode, um, getting into it, its ramifications, and also just – kind of calming everyone and saying, I, I, and this is why I love the dude. He's like, I know you're all thinking, how can we actually finish this in two episodes? Yeah, <laughs> And he's like, trust me, we do it. And I think that they can, um, you know, I think when you think about it, we have, and as you talked about last episode, we're getting a lot of answers now, Right. We're things finding been, things, and things out. have
1: been moving forward. Yes. I mean, I mean, there, there. We know that the Millennium Clock is at the verge of of activating. So, yeah, I, I feel like the the pace has been such that it should be they should be able to wrap it up uh, within the, a allotted time. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are some loose ends left for you know if they want to leave some potential door open for another season, even though they might you know resolve the majority of the of the plot threads. Uh, towards the end of the episode but it'll be yeah i, I i'm I, I don't feel like things are gonna be necessarily rushed to, to the end i think we're gonna have enough time uh i also don't know you know sometimes hbo has done this where some of the, the finale episodes can go a little bit longer so true. maybe even even if you were to get an extra 10 or 15 minutes between the two episodes that might make a difference as well
0: yeah that's true and this episode was pretty long too yeah so um Yeah, I I look forward to that. And I think, hey, well, they'll do it. And as we, uh, Aaron and I had a little discussion, I'd like to ask you, you know, there have been rumors that this might only be one season. Um, I think we had talked a little bit about at one point, or maybe it was on the other 20,000 shows I'm doing about Watchmen this week, um, where Damon had maybe just been a little – scared or trepidatious about how people would take the show so he just said i'll do one season if it ends up that he only does one season or this becomes an anthology or maybe this is all they do for the foreseeable future does that concern you in any way
1: it doesn't i mean i think uh the beauty of the modern television landscape is that if a creator wants to tell a story that only requires nine hours to tell the story then do nine hours you know don't don't push something just for the sake of continuing to produce content because it's you know uh making a lot of money or whatnot. granted there are those types of decisions that get made by studios and and whatnot uh sometimes it works to the to the betterment of shows sometimes it works against it uh you know I think lost in many ways was a culprit of that during its couple of you know in between seasons kind of the second and third seasons um and how many times, you know, have we seen shows that we go back and say, "Well, that, you know, when when did it jump the shark, right?" That the ep, you know that the that the show took uh, its welcome. This is I, I kind of see this as creators who want to put take, take an opportunity to tell a story that maybe doesn't need to take an entire multi season series, but it's also a story that needs a little bit more fleshing out than a typical movie, and so this allows you to kind of have that breathing room to tell a, li- a somewhat larger story. Yeah, um, I totally agree, brother. I I I'm on board. I mean, the, the BBC model has been this for ages, where you, if you have a story that only takes uh, like the original Office, it was like one season, and that's that's what the story they wanted to tell, and they told it in that within that space. Uh, some series. If 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 time allows and it's justified to revisit it, they might pick it up later and do a second season or whatnot. But it's not this drive to always keep, uh, you know, cranking out season after season. And I appreciate that this may just be a one season thing, and I think that's fine. I mean, um, when I mean you and I growing up in the seventies and eighties, we remember what when the, when TV stations used to do miniseries, and yeah. that was just what it was. It was a, a miniseries. It was a series that was intended to be watched. You know, over over a series of, of seven, six, seven episodes, and then that was it. Uh, it's kind of going to that model, and I like it.
0: Yeah, V, V
1: was <laughs> like that. And, and and what screwed V up was going to be to uh, full be a series. Blown series. I
0: know, it's true. That's
1: actually totally what, true. yeah. Had <laughs> uh, they just stuck to the original series, mini series, everybody yeah, would you know would, that's what people remember fondly is that original series of V. Totally. Uh, nobody remembers the ongoing series that came after it.
0: No, too much. Except I remember Freddy Krueger was in it.
1: <laughs> yes, he was. Robert Englund was in it. That's right.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's get let's get into it, man. Let's deep dive into this episode.
1: Yeah, well, I kind of made it a habit to talk about the title in the previous episode, so I figured we would start with that. An almost religious awe is, like last week, a quote taken directly from the original novel. This uh, was a part of Dr. Manhattan's own reflection on the way that the Vietnamese reacted to his presence when uh, when the war was won due to Dr. Manhattan's uh, intervention. Um, there's that famous scene in the book and also in the uh, Zack Snyder movie where you see members of the Viet Cong uh, bowing down to a, a, a gigantic version of Manhattan who has basically subdued uh, the Viet Cong into uh, relinquishing and, uh, and thus leading to Vietnam becoming a U.S. state. Um, And what's interesting is that earlier on, around the episode where we were introduced to the Dr. Manhattan phone system, I remember bringing up the idea of, is Manhattan become, has he become some kind of a god or has kind of a religion or cult uh, emerged in this world uh, due to the presence of Dr. Manhattan? And so it's interesting that in this episode, we got to see how... At least to some extent, it looks like a, a there there are Manhattan believers out there, people who quote-unquote pray to Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, and that this is being exploited by Lady True with her Manhattan phones, which as we find out is a way for her to collect information, not a way n- not information that's making it to Dr. Manhattan. Um, and perhaps it is from the stories that people are sharing. Maybe there are stories of of trauma. Maybe there are stories of pain that people share in these prayers that she is crafting whatever her grand plan is going to be.
0: Oh, I like that idea very much that this yeah. is insight into people and into Right. into the way that maybe the effects uh of what she's trying to do maybe in a maybe she's even using it to whatever they've done they've experimented on a few people. Yeah. She,
1: she's she's googling feelings, right? She's collecting. Yeah. Fe- when you think about, about in today's society, how your information gets used to market stuff to you and to get her to know what kind of better get to know what kind of consumer you are. True is getting to know what the pain of people is through all this information she's collecting, and perhaps that's helping shape whatever her plan is with the millennium clock. Uh, And then I I know that you uh, touched upon this in your earlier episode this week, but this uh, imagery of uh, Manhattan uh, in the uh, in this festival, we see the 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 individual who who blows the bomb in protest of the U.S. presence in Vietnam, he was doing a puppet show of Dr. Manhattan. And so we have Dr. Manhattan, uh, uh, you know, being manipulated as a puppet. And so, you know, there's that perspective, like from the perspective of the invade of, of those who are against the use and the, the invasion of, of uh, or the, the uh, conquering of Vietnam under the U.S. Um, do they see Manhattan as a puppet of the government as opposed to an entity that is to be revered? Um, and even, you know, we saw the murals of Manhattan being uh, uh, having been, been uh. Uh, vandalized with yeah. imagery of calling him a demon and that kind of stuff, uh, Manhattan himself was known to have said a quote in the original book along the lines of you know i 'm not the puppet master, I just see the strings uh, of the uh, of you know who everything that gets pulled, but is Manhattan himself in a way a puppet? Um, I thought those were some really, really powerful images that were shown uh, during those scenes
0: and uh, Cal ends up being the proverbial meat puppet totally. poor Dr. Manhattan. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Dr. Manhattan was a puppet. I mean, I think his apathy, he just let himself be used by the government. Exactly. And what happened in Vietnam. And that's got to be why he's there. That's know? what
1: I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, he never left <clears> – <throat> But I I am thinking that the trauma experience in Vietnam, maybe because of this event, made him come back. Uh, that somehow there, there's some guilt associated with that. I don't know. I mean, I know that Manhattan has a complicated issue when it comes to having any feelings. Um, but I'm wondering if, if he was somehow brought back. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the, the Manhattan theories here uh, as we move uh, through my other points. So then I, uh, I I got a little creative with kind of the little subtitles for my uh, my point, talking points here this week. Um, so one thing that we need to talk about is the elephant in the room. Literally, <laughs> uh, um, uh, Angela entered into a room uh, where she was expecting to find her grandfather. Uh, supposedly, he needed to be connected to her doing some kind of a transfusion. Not exactly sure if it was a blood transfusion or what. Uh, to help wash the uh, the remnants of the nostalgia she had taken the previous week, but instead of being connected to her grandfather, she is connected to a, a sleeping elephant um, and I think it was a white elephant i 'm not even sure it, it looked kind of a pale colored elephant um, and so question is you know it, what is that what is being exchanged between the elephant and Angela? is it blood is it memories is it something else it was kind of unclear what exactly this transfusion was that was going on between them and what is the significance of elephants you know there's that old adage of elephants never forget uh the original lady true uh she uh, the the character upon which lady true uh took the 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 name from Um, was a Vietnamese liberator who apparently rode an elephant. Uh, And also we have seen a lot of elephant imagery around Lady True. The hourglass in the first episode she appeared was made up of elephants. The tea set she was using when she's having tea with um, uh, Angela in this episode is all shaped like elephants. And in in the video store early on in the episode when... Uh young Angela's looking through the rack and finds the sister night video. A couple of kids' videos are all with elephant characters. Um interestingly enough, you know, the 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 phrase elephants never forget, there is some truth to that phrase. There is uh uh it is known that elephants actually do have pretty strong memories, that they're able to remember, for example, watering holes that they visited many years before and that they learned to pass this information on to other elephants. So then this kind of plays into this whole idea of, of uh, memory as a kind of hereditary thing. You know, we, we saw that in this, in the scenes of, of the gentleman who uh, was at the, at the uh, 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 squid meeting with uh, the held by looking glass, a few episodes back where he said, you know, I wasn't there to suffer the the psychic blast of the of the squid but uh, but my parents were and so they've passed that on to me so could there be something tied to that could now i'm wondering if with all of the genetic experimentation and knowledge that that uh, uh lady true has could an elephant be an adequate vessel to hold on to a lot of memories uh, you know That's if the, if, yeah. if shes if she 's collecting all these memories through the phone booths, could then the elephant be some way to kind of mm-hmm. contain that in a organic way before it can be transferred on to humans if this is some kind of an antenna that she 's doing with the millennium clock to transmit this 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 uh feelings of of pain and suffering to other people
0: that is I love that man because yeah, I just got that kind of um that like, like, like organic tech feeling mm-hmm. from like they're you know? like
1: they memory sponges yeah. in a way. is kind of like what yeah. I'm thinking. Like it's
0: like some Dune thing or something. You know, it's like yeah. some animal that kind of suck that can like if she, I could av- imagine her saying, "We've heard that elephants, so, but this is actually true. Yeah. Through our research, yeah. we discovered they are a perfect vessel." To kind of like a to collect all
1: of these memories, to collect all of this pain and stuff. And I,
0: I think that the feeling I get, maybe why she said it was will, is because maybe I'm still kind of going on this idea of will is that old. Yep. That maybe he, maybe he died or this is a clone of him that she kind of rapidly grew in the same way as BN is her mother. Mm-hmm. And that maybe where they stay is in the elephant.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe that memory yeah. is stored
0: in, in yeah, there. It's like a hard drive.
1: Yeah, like and maybe that's where drive. she's extracting the memories of her mother to put into the BN clone. I mean, I don't know. Um, Pretty cool. So in a way, you know, the squid was an organic vessel to carry out the psychic attack in the original novel. Maybe the elephants are the psychic vessel Mm. for this uh, new plan. Uh, And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you and I were discussing the true logo and how it looked like a like a squid or something. And I just realized looking at it uh, one more time, it's an elephant. The true logo, if you look at it from the front is an elephant logo it's to the ears the trunk and the tusks coming out of the side uh so i don't know if you had, had a chance to take a look at it i provided a link there on the notes that were uh, yeah once you we're said it off. i saw it
0: you're absolutely so you
1: totally right. see it yeah. now so yeah so i mean if uh, if there's any uh indication there that this is a uh, critical to her plan uh obviously elephants seem to be rather significant for lady true um so then, uh, so then, let's talk about Keen and the Seventh Calvary and their nefarious plans. I gotta say, my initial reaction to Keen's behavior and his revealing of his master plan—if it weren't for the fact that it was tied to these incredibly, you know, deep-rooted and painful issues such as racism—it felt like a very kind of generic re- uh, uh, <laughs> reveal of a bad guy in a comic book. So, and yeah. their plan, right? I think it uh, did. I
0: think I think that was a bit per- I mean even the way that Laurie said to him, what are you going to tell me your whole plan now? Right. They right. kind of then went along and acted it out in that exact way. Right.
1: <laughs> it was it was almost like a Dr. Evil type of yeah. reveal, uh, the way that they did it. Um and and granted, you know, I think it's interesting because he says something along the lines of, "Well, it's hard to be a white man these days, so I'm going to try blue." Um, and he and he also says, "I'm not, we're not racist." Um, although I think that's still up for debate. Uh,
0: well, that's what they always say. Yeah, that's what they always say, right?
1: <laughs> but the point is that it, the race is just a vehicle for trying to, yeah. racism is a vehicle for ultimately ex- exerting power, right? Ultimately, it's about power. It's not it, that, that's what it comes down to, and so why be president when you can be God, right? So the the nefarious plan here is that Keene and maybe other members of the Seventh Cavalry uh, are going to become Manhattan-like beings themselves. Um, so, but but I still I still, and then it's interesting because later on when when True and Angela are talking. Uh, True uh, kind of makes it reveals to Angela that she's basically the counterpoint to Keen. You know, like she says to him, "Imagine, imagine if the Seventh Cavalry had the powers of Doctor Manhattan." So my plan is to stop that. But I can't help but think that she that she is still somehow usurping the plan of the Seventh K or manipulating them because of all the technology that they have that is from True. Um, I, I like to think that she is somehow sabotaging their plans, but the way that she acted in this episode makes me think like maybe that's not the case. So I guess that you know that's well, going to be some you know something to be revealed coming
0: up. Yeah, uh, we talked about this earlier, and I kind of thinking about it, and actually there was a um, there was an interesting a couple of posts i saw on uh, one of the facebook pages where someone had written true on a piece of paper and then <laughs> put it up to a mirror and it looks like vite and you know how ah, okay. if if they're not if she's not the daughter they're going to you know he was in he was the thing coming down into the field all those kind of theories aside there's definitely an analogy between the two and yeah. if she is what he was in the first story then we can be almost definitely sure that her aims – she is like a squid and her aims may cross with, be the same in some respects to the 7th Calvary. She may be using them, right? right? Because it's not as though if she's Vite-like, then she's trying to see ahead of them. So she's pushing them to do things, and perhaps she pushed this whole thing to happen. Um, So I think that you're right. There's the question of whether the technology we see that has the true logo in the Cyclops hideout is there to um, sneak into the event. Right. right? Like a Trojan horse. Like a Trojan horse, right. Or –
1: Or is it just that they're using that technology, and somehow she became aware of it, and now she realizes she has to do something to counteract it? I'm not sure. Or did she
0: give it to them? You know, there's that she could be working with them in some way because. But so far, um, almost all the things that Will and True have said have been very honest. They haven't like it, it. Turns out that really Angela was the one holding back from us, not Lady True. Yes,
1: yes, we'll get to so that in a second. That's
0: like, yeah, it, the more I think, I mean, Will to- said he killed Judd. He told her to take the pill. He just they're they're trying to get people to see. They do seem to be getting people to see the truth, rather than the the Klansmen who are trying to enact a certain plan right. to dominate. Right, and so, but so I, I still mean, don't trust True though because of the whole Vite thing. That's what, and
1: I, mean, I and right. I'm not sure that True trusts Angela. Maybe maybe she's only revealing part of her plan to Angela. Yeah, maybe she doesn't feel like she yep. could have told in that scene. She could have told her, "I'm actually manipulating the Seventh Cavalry." I still think there is some level of that going on, but uh, we'll wait and see. But it was it was very classic comic. I mean, the trap door. The you know the way that he revealed, Keen revealed his plan. It all felt almost like it was out of a 1966 Batman episode. You know? I if love it, that. <laughs> I, you know, I
0: know some people have complained, and I think I can understand that. If 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 you don't, if it doesn't capture you, it doesn't capture you. Sure, I saw it as um as not not as satire, as homage, just as just fitting the whole the feeling of everything, just like when Lori was saying like, this is ridiculous and how she kind of watched her as she kept on hitting the button. Yeah. Yeah. It almost looked like she was going to get up and hit the button for her.
1: Right, right. <laughs> it was almost like a, the show is trying. Is hey, just a quick reminder. This is about superheroes. Yes, <laughs> and this, and yeah, and these are the kinds exactly. of things that happen in the superhero. And that's kind
0: of anti-nostalgic in a sense, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. that's what I kind of like about it. It's like if you're going to make a sequel to something and it's about how nostalgia is bad, you have to have a little bit of that meta stuff in there to let yeah. us know that you know that.
1: And uh so then and then when it comes to Lori, we know she's trapped now. Uh maybe she's going to be used as bait to capture Dr. Manhattan, which is part of the plan that uh, that Keen has. Um I'm wondering this idea of the 7K becoming uh becoming like Dr. Manhattan, you know, I'm wondering if it'll be a be careful what you wish for kind of situation, because we know that. After John Osterman became Doctor Manhattan, he then became kind of detached from exactly. humanity. Right? <laughs>
0: yeah. He He's really did not gonna has... want to go to any clan meetings. Exactly. <laughs>
1: like, like I'm wondering if, in a way, Keen will. It, what happens if Keen does become Manhattan? Will he? Would, would would race issues be at all of interest to him at that point? Would he be like? I mean, I, I'm wondering if there is a bit of a. Of, of of a be careful what like I said be careful what you wish for a monkey's a, a monkey's paw type of situation happening here where where this might backfire even if he does succeed uh, because he doesn't realize what being Manhattan how 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 isolating and truly kind of nihilistic becoming like Doctor Manhattan can lead you to be to yeah. be right
0: and, and it shows that Keen only sees that part of it. Right? He just like sees the he's power so limited. You he know?
1: just sees yeah. the power and he doesn't realize, you know, what happens when all of a sudden you're able to look at all of your time all at once. Um, he's, he's, he's very, he's very narrow focused in that sense.
0: And you'd think also if he is now, I mean, of course we know that he's really after the power. And if he says, Oh, he's not a racist, he's just, you know, that's the easiest way to get this power for him in America. Yeah. Um, I, I, I see that point, but if he is, if he at one point was a devotee of Rorschach's journal and, you know, the conspiracies and all that, you'd think that he would have a little bit more of an insight into Dr. Manhattan and that he wouldn't have much interest in this stuff after, then maybe that's not really what they're trying to do. Yeah. You know, maybe he wasn't being truthful to Laurie. And I, I don't and know. there's some I, yeah. other sort of something else going on. But I love your point because be. that's totally true.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. And then I know that uh, Looking Glass, it Looking Glass appears to have uh, kicked every all of those seven K members were actually apparently there to kill Looking Glass. Uh, like I like we had surmised a couple of episodes ago, maybe Looking Glass served his purpose by turning Amanda into uh, the FBI. And so, I mean, uh, Angela into the, to the FBI. And, uh, and so that, that being served, he became a loose end. And so the seventh case showed up at his house, but I wouldn't be surprised if looking like it's the kind of guy who has booby trapped the heck out of that uh, underground bunker that he's in. And so between that and uh, however many uh, arsenal of weapons he's got down there, he took them all out. And it looks like he took one of the masks so the the speculation here is that he's now infiltrated the Seventh Cavalry, uh, wearing one of their masks. Um, but I have a feeling that Loop Man is actually going to be the one to rescue Laurie from the 7K. That somehow uh, uh, somehow word is going to get from Looking Glass to Petey, and Petey's going to have to intercede and become <laughs> Laurie's savior. Slide uh, in. Well, I mean, if it's some kind of underground thing, yeah. the one way to get in there is sliding in through pipes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, maybe that's how he uh, he infiltrates the uh, the Cyclops lair. Okay, the next segment I'm gonna talk about here is Aussie Meh DS. <laughs> Uh because I felt like even though it was a funny uh, it, it, it exchange between uh, uh, Adrian Veidt and the the Court of of uh, 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 Cro- Crookshanks and Mister Phillips um, judging him and finding him guilty of his crimes, uh, it was pretty much played for laughs. Uh, you know the farting scene and all that stuff. It's become this kind of absurdist situation in which Ozymandias finds himself in. Um, I didn't feel like this particular uh, chapter of his story. You know what was as as integral as some of the ones that we have had before. Um, I did notice though, something that I had not noticed before. And that is that Ozymandias costume is yet another uh, manifestation of a single eye symbol Uh, right on his chest. He also has a single eye, uh, which again, continues to recur as the symbol of Cyclops of the, uh, of the squid so uh might there I don't know if there's supposed to be a clue there that harkens back to the days of the comic book, um uh obviously as a in a connection between the Eye of the Squid and Nelsivandius, but it it's kind of an interesting uh thing to know.
0: Well, you know, um at one point we had discussed how did and what we were just talking about before, did uh True give the tech this technology uh to the Calvary. And it could be, I mean, they could throw us for a loop here, and it could be that Manhattan did imprison Vite. He gets out and he wants to take revenge on him and he uses the cavalry to do it. Mm. It could be that Vite is actually not working with True, and that it is a revenge plot from Will and True against the likes of Vite and Dr. Manhattan. And uh Vite gets involved in it on the other side.
1: That you know, I, I, a part of the This is going to be dependent on exactly when in time is exactly. is Vite, uh, you know, taking place. When is the story taking place?
0: Yeah, and I don't uh, disagree with you that this scene was, you know, we didn't see him last episode, right? Right. So we got kind of an episode off, mm-hmm. and it seems like this is kind of wearing out. You know, and something has to happen, something has to break. But I do feel like this was a kind of necessary part of the narrative. And I wonder when you saw the tear coming down from his eye at the end there, did you feel like he was actually? Feeling remorseful or sad or just trapped and alone and tired from, you know, the egomania you know, being
1: stuff. It, it was hard because so much of it was play. I mean, it was played like a farce, the whole yeah. thing. So it was hard to understand what exactly he was lamenting at that point. Um, you know, maybe there is a part of him that, you know, maybe for the first time he's finally... Having some sense of of empathy for the the you know all the stuff that was brought up about how he treated other, uh, you know treated these creations and 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 his his uh, you know a grandiose attitude towards humanity, um, but I don't know I don't know that he's capable of having those feelings. I mean, maybe he's just feeling sorry for himself. I don't know. Um, I mean, we do know that that uh, Lady True. Is an admirer of his, so there might be more of a connection there than we think. Uh, somebody speculated. I don't know if it's one of our commenters later on or, or something that I read, where um, the message that that Veit was writing on with the bodies, the last word, which started with the letter D. Uh, maybe was for daughter oh Um, yes
0: that's bill kava bill kava wrote that yeah
1: yeah so so that you know it could be that that there is a familial connection there maybe for the first time he's realizing everything he's lost by not uh by by having always pursued these these uh these endeavors um so i don't know it was it it was played for laughs in such a way that then when i saw him crying in that moment I, I, i i it was it was a disconnect for me i didn't quite understand what the relationship was there at that point because even up until that point you know his farting and all that was like he just considered this he's 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 totally standing up to this true farce and then they bring those pigs in i mean almost felt like something out of monty python (laughs) the the whole scene it was really really out there
0: yeah well but but i do want to mention the the transition from angela's eyes to the top of the i know looking down like that, that was amazing. And And then,
1: and then the transition back was through the statue, right?
0: Yeah. So it, 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 it's very interesting there. Is that telling us something? I don't know. Is Angela going to see this or is she witness to this in some way? Or I don't know. I just, that, that that's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, now that we know that Angela knows stuff that we haven't, Realize she's known. She could know a lot more than than we're being led on to all
0: this time. Take a little break to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. and December 9th through the 20th. Use code Skywalker to save 20% off. Star Wars. That's right, baby. Use code Skywalker just like Luke and save 20% off. Go to Cufflinks.com/slash DVR today. You know, I was just looking over at Cufflinks. I was saying, man, you know, I'm going to be giving away some great prizes to all the people that emailed. And if we hit our goal of 50 reviews and 30 patrons, either goal, I'm throwing in another one and I'm going to get two winners. And they're going to be able to pick from a variety of awesome stuff from cufflinks.com, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, They've got it all. Plus, if you just want to look good, you don't have to geek out. You can just look good. Go over to cufflinks.com DVR today. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in Southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have to learn more about them. Check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopted gmail dot com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at Andrew and Claire Adopted gmail dot com. Thanks.
1: All right, and then when it comes to uh to Cal, the big reveal that Cal is Doctor Manhattan. There were some. Uh, here 's my my pun of the week blues clues <laughs> <There you go. laughs> to help us kind of figure out and there 's been clues kind of strewn out all uh, all uh, uh, series long uh, about the potential you know the Cal being dr manhattan and this show has been has been very good about putting clues kind of right in our noses and us not really noticing them um, but you know cal uh, there there have been multiple references to Superman throughout this series and Cal's first name is shared with this, uh, the name of Superman, Kal-El, uh, something that, uh, you know, we commented before in other moments when, when there was the Jonathan Kent and all or the, the Jonathan Clark and that kind of stuff all being references to Superman. But uh, we hadn't caught on to Kal to being a potential reference to Kal-El. But the reality, too, is that the, he has been the character has been downplayed so much that we, he really hasn't been up, come on uh, kind of into the forefront until this episode. So, um, but then you know, Lori, uh has always expressed an attraction to him. We know that she has even had secret meetings with him. So, even though uh, I'm not sure that Lori is uh, knows that Cal is Doctor Manhattan, maybe there is some uh, some. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, it's some, some gut feeling, yeah, There's some yeah. gut feeling to that connection, you know, that, just that kind of raw connection that she had with Manhattan before. Maybe that is manifesting in some way. Uh, I also, looking back, I think it was on episode two when he was talking to the, the children about, uh, about Judd's death. And his description of death was very nihilistic, you know, basically pretty much saying, yeah, we just die and there's nothing. And just like you didn't exist before you were born, you'll stop to exist when you're done. Well, it was uh, very
0: scientific.
1: It was very scientific, yeah. very, yeah. but, but it, it was very Manhattan-like, right? It was, it was like something like this is how you see, you know, the, the physical world manifest in this way. And just like the physical world manifests like this, so do, will we? do we become a part of the rest of the physical world. Um, he also Manhattan through the generations had different relationships with different generations of heroes, uh, you know, before um, before uh, uh, L- Lori, uh, she, he had a relationship. What was it with Silhouette? Was that the hero that he was so. related to before? Who Then there was this whole issue about that. She had cancer because of him or whatnot. Uh, and so it it, it kind of stands to reason that if he were to stick around, eventually he might become interested in a, in a hero of the latest generation, in this case, Angela. Uh, and then this is something that has been circulating online, uh, and I'm sure many of our listeners have probably already uh, caught on to. But the, in the uh, PDPedia uh, uh, information from a few weeks back where a diagram of the blue Manhattan dildo was shown, the name of the dildo was Excalibur. And so a lot of people are saying that this could be a wordplay, meaning uh, that Lori's ex is Calabar, so that that could be a a, a little gameplay there with uh, with the word Excalibur. Which again, I wouldn't put it past Damon Lindelof to uh, come up with a clever trick like that.
0: Yeah, there was. I I think that there was a plethora of Mm -hmm. clues here, and hey, I did not pick up on it. Um, I didn't guess it. I loved that. I was wrong about it. I love being wrong. I mean, we do lots of theories and get, and try to see, but really it's letting the story be told to you. Yeah. And as it happened, it just felt, it fell radiant. It didn't even really, it just all clicked. I wasn't even like surprised or shocked. I was, Mm -hmm. but I also wasn't like, it just worked.
1: It's similar to how it worked to make uh, Will Reeves, yeah, uh, exactly, um, uh, Hooded Justice. It's yep. like it just it kind of fits right into this narrative that yes, we've been given. Not here. reaching here at all. Now, the last piece that I want to touch upon is Angela as an unreliable. I'm going to call her the unreliable protagonist. You know, typically when we in, in literature they talk about the unreliable narrator. When you you have a person telling you a story that because it's coming from their perspective. Uh, that narrator that 's telling you the story could be biased and potentially be impacting uh the reliability of the information they are sharing with you and what 's interesting is that in television, typically the character that you associate as being the protagonist becomes the point of view character of the series so they 're the pe- they 're the person with whom you kind of experience the uh the show the, the that what 's happening on the show. And usually we as the, uh, as, as the, uh, as the viewer um, using this point of view character to help us tell this, uh, see the story through the eyes of, of that character, we tend to know what that character knows. But this has been turned on its head in this episode because Angela has known something all along that has never been revealed to us. So, our point of view character is not a reliable narrator it's not a, 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 she's been hiding information from us, which is very atypical um and we know that she's also been hiding information from cal and now 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 of course we know that's John osterman uh because at the end of the episode, she has to reveal to him right that uh, that he is, he, he, ha- he has somehow, through whatever technology they used, forgotten who he is. And so she reveals this to Cal at the end. She you know, whacks him over the head with a hammer. And then what's interesting is that we, as the viewer, all of a sudden take on Cal's first person perspective. The episode ends with us looking at Angela yeah. from his first person uh, perspective. So I'm wondering if now that Cal is recovering his memory and becomes understands that he is uh, John Osterman, Doctor Manhattan, could it be that we are the everything we have witnessed up until now is at this moment what he is becoming aware of as he is finally released from his amnesia, and so the true point of view character of the show could have could could it be that it's Manhattan all along? Uh, mm. I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing to ponder, right? That I that like now that very much. Now that Manhattan is aware of who he is, he can go look back at this the events of this series through this timeline, right? Because time is present to him at all times. And so now we're now we're catching up with him to the reality of everything that's going on, and we're realizing things about Angela that we couldn't have. Because he wasn't aware of who he was. And now that he is, the now we're kind of aligning his point of view with ourselves. And I'm wondering if as the show moves forward, I wouldn't be surprised if, next week's, uh, if this Sunday's episode will maybe get us, uh, will be from his perspective. And maybe as we conclude the series, I wonder if it will continue to be that Manhattan becomes our point of view character from this point forward.
0: I think that that is brilliant. I love it, Roberto. Thank you for talking about it. I, I mean, I think it's really fantastic, and you're right. That is that last shot there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I one of the things that I couldn't shake this whole season is that this whole thing is in some is like a, another universe he created or an experiment in a way. And I guess in a sense, that's kind of what that would be, you know, and even just through the perspective of his point of view and Angela really, she, she is a very interesting lead character because though I came to kind of trust her and follow her as the protagonist, it's not like I felt like, uh, I wanted to give her a big hug. you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm not like she, she she has always remained distant. yes, exact. Distant is a great word mm-hmm. for it, it right yeah. like we're watching her, yeah. you know, we don't really see we see her at home. she talks about things, so we felt as though we knew more about her, right. but really, those scenes were really more of a deception
1: and and, and, and if us. if she has known that he is Manhattan all along, her involvement, her role in any of this could be much larger than we think you know she mm, for true. all we know, she's just been playing along, even though she has you know secrets that have not been revealed that could have implications for everything uh, that we've been seeing in this series.
0: yeah, and it does also show what a grave choice that is, right? Because Dr. Manhattan has the power to stop all of this. He's Dr. Manhattan, you know, and the, the decision that they've made to live this life together. Um, I just think it's really interesting looking ahead to next week. Um, we can we'll talk a little just let's if you want to dip before we get into the feedback mm-hmm. a little bit into the trailer since we're on that, so if you haven't watched the trailer, we're going to talk about it for a few minutes um but it's obviously just it's really comprised of kind of them meeting, and you see he wear that that little shot we've seen the whole season of a of him picking up or what looks like a Dr Manhattan picking up a doctor Manhattan mask. Right. And he's wearing that and they talk about their love and it, that just, man, uh, Damon can really flip things. Yes. And let me tell you, the dude can do love stories. And uh if you've seen the leftovers of lost, you know that. Yeah. So I think this episode, I'm really, I'm looking more forward to this than I have through every episode. I'm, oh, I want to see it, but this, I'm just like, how they fell in love and made a decision like this and right. what it says for someone like Angela, who has said, you know, there's a right way, there's a wrong way. Uh, she believes strongly in things to make a decision like that. And to even after Judd's death in the white night for him still to remain Cal, uh, that's quite a commitment. And that is also in the face of him, perhaps being able to do a lot of good,
1: yeah, and, and, you know, this this brings into question so many things that we have seen from before. Like, you know, we we never saw how Angela and he survived the White Knight. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that if, let's say, that, that one of the seventh k members who came into the house whacked him over the head, could he have woken Manhattan up and it was Manhattan who ended up saving Angela that day? Is
0: that how they found out? That
1: they, have they ended working? Could that be how they found out? Because yeah. because many people know of Manhattan. It looks like. I mean, how much do people know? Does, does does Keen know that
0: Cal is Manhattan? Does True know? He must because the Seven Calvary is out front of her house. It looks like they're trying to get. They're trying to enact the plan, or else they're right. just trying to get Angela. But it seemed to me that they true knows. It seems like everybody knows it's cat. So, so
1: how, how did they find that out? I'm curious to, you know, learn more about that. Um, or have they been following some kind of weird radiation signature yeah, or something? I yeah. mean, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, it's interesting going back to the original book. I, I, and I'm going to be paraphrasing here. But when Manhattan leaves Earth. And his quote is something along the lines of, I'm going to see, I, I'm going to make some life myself or for some life for myself or something like that. Maybe he didn't mean creating life, but creating a life for himself. Yeah. Maybe what he meant was, something you know, real. not that he was become a God to create new creatures that he would oversee, but rather figure out a way for me to experience life again. Um. And so maybe that's what led to this plan. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. I think the trailer also gives us some hints that this episode, you know, the episode um, with this, this episode, because it was still Angela dealing with coming in and out of her memories and intermixed with Will's memories. um, It had a bit of that uh, of that. Issue of the original Watchmen where time is kind of displaced and you're looking at, at Dr. Manhattan and the way he experiences time. So in a way, she was kind of experiencing, you know, her past and her present in, kind of you know, overlapping ways. But I'm wondering if that's going to be carried on now with the next episode with uh, having Manhattan becoming more of a point of view character as well.
0: Yeah, you'd think it would be, or then again, maybe they just tell it straight through, <laughs> with none of that. Because I guess it'll you think depend- it would yeah. Be I mean, because it's Manhattan, you know. He does
1: explain to Angela, you know, that he that he knows they're going to be in love because he can see that already. But yeah. I'm curious to see how much, uh, how much the whole flashback uh, process, you know, uh, mechanism is used in the next episode.
0: We shall see. We'll see. it'll be also interesting
1: health. to see if you know if will cal will the actor who plays cal be playing dr manhattan like in 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 what you know the the blue version of dr manhattan i mean it's one thing for him to take on the identity of an african american man to blend in with angela and her family but are we going to get to see what manhattan looks like like the john osterman version of manhattan i, I i'm assuming John Osterman still was a white man from the 1940s and 50s that he's taken on this persona. But because it's interesting, because the dialogue heard in that trailer seems to be coming from the actor who plays Cal. Um, So I wasn't that'll be
0: sure. It sounded like it, someone different to me. And, it
1: did. Okay. I mean, yeah. I, I would think, that, I mean, that, that would be a bit of a stretch to yeah, change I
0: don't see that happening. the race I,
1: of I, Manhattan's yeah, character. No. So I, I mean, maybe. I I don't know. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see. It doesn't work
0: Uh, the same way it does with hooded justice. It
1: does not. That's exactly what that's. There's no point. The the Dr. Manhattan documentary that we saw at the beginning of this episode showed pictures of young john
0: osterman yeah, and that everybody kind of knew who so he it, was. A, was it no,
1: acknowledges that he was a yeah. uh, white uh,
0: but there never you know. was any there was yeah. never any doubt who he was because right he showed up in the lab first as a spine and then as a right a disembodied head and then like exactly all the different parts of him right so always, they I mean, knew who it's it was.
1: always been assumed that everybody knew who John Osterman was, yeah. and that, and he even knows who. I mean, he goes by John Osterman. Doctor Manhattan is just a moniker. He doesn't not like a secret identity or anything
0: like that. See, something like that would be an would be a out of nowhere surprise, and if they could make it work, heck, I I'd give him an opportunity to make it work. But yeah. I think at this point it'd be overkill, and and would, I
1: still and I'm still holding on to the thought that the actor who plays Phillips is the actor who would
0: be, who That's would be who, what I who think would
1: play yeah. John Osterman, but we'll have
0: to wait and see. Maybe not. It'll be interesting to see who it yeah.
1: is. And I don't know, maybe maybe they'll never show us Manhattan without the mask.
0: That I don't is know. another option is that we yeah. just like the end of this shot that we see it from his perspective. Yeah. And that would be kind of And so by the
1: time we get to see his, who he is, he's taken on the Cal persona. So we never get to actually yep. see Manhattan. The Cal turns it,
0: it, around and it's yeah, Cal. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's Cal. Yep.
0: We'll oh. see. Um, all right. Let's get to some feedback. Yes. Uh, we got some great feedback. Thank you, everyone, for writing in DVRpodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate the time. Now, we have had to edit some of this for time's sake. Uh, starting out is Kim, the trifecta. I just finished listening to the Wednesday episode with Aaron, and I was very happy that you guys mentioned the Lori, Angela, John dynamic. You mentioned on your episode how they keep dropping hints about the batteries. And if they keep putting it in front of us, we should pay attention to it. And that's exactly how I feel about this triangle. I can't help but wonder if they're setting Lori and Angela up to do battle over John Given that Angela has now heard Lori's phone message to John and has been on the receiving receiving end of the two he's so hot <laughs> comments from Lori, that's three separate instances of Angela being confronted with Lori's feelings in the seven episodes. And remember, like you said, she had a secret meeting. I went and met with your husband. Yep. Remember that? Yes. Um, oh, also, uh, Kim mentions the Excalibur. Yes, uh, yes, it's been a, it's it, been Kim. around
1: the internet. So yeah, the ex-Calabar. Yep, yep.
0: Yeah, and uh, she concludes. I have no idea how they're going to wrap all of this, uh, this up in two episodes. I already feel like we need more. Yeah, I don't either. And I I like this idea, Kim, that Lori, because I think we're leading up to a point where. We've just seen that, like Roberto illustrated, that Angela is an unreliable protagonist. Yeah. We don't really know where she's coming from yet. We're going to learn. And I feel like she's going to have to make a decision. Um, and I could see that Lori, with, we get that whole episode of her sadness and her nostalgia about John, that this could take a turn. Um, against them teaming up, which I'd love for them to do. They're so alike; that's why he loves them, right? Um, but I could, I see, I, I like this, Kim. I think that they could really kind of put them at odds, or at least one of them make a bad decision um, when the time comes to it.
1: I guess some other uh, another thing will depend. How much does Laurie know about John's past? You know, the, I mean, I'm sorry, not Lori. How much does Angela, Angela know about John's past. Well and I her, think that she John I think relationship
0: that's why she, oh, with Lori.
1: No no I'm just saying that, it, that it, it, whatever whatever uh conflict could potentially come up between Angela and Lori will depend too on how much knowledge there is on her part, on Angela's part, about what John and Laurie had in the past.
0: I would think and we I know you and I mentioned it how Angela acted like she didn't even know who Laurie was right. in the car. And we were both like, how does she not know she's a mass vigilant. She doesn't know who Laurie, now she's telling her I'm Silk Spectre too. And you're like, oh, I don't, oh, really? Like yeah. you, you're you not going to ask like Petey would about Dr. Man. They just had that scene. So I think she knows everything. You know, I think that she, if she was a little girl Growing up on these movies, surrounded by Dr. Manhattan stuff with the horrors that she is uh, uh she's seen, and then she becomes a cop and also a mass vigilante, she's gotta know she's like she's a historian like Petey, probably. You'd think. Yeah, you know, yeah. so um thank you, Kim, for that great email. Uh this yeah, is thank David. You, Kim. Okay, I've been enjoying the podcast, says David, but I have to tell you, it's the 7th Cavalry, not the Calvary. Like (laughs) in the Army, it's the Air Cav, not Air Cal. Calvary has a very different definition, and you say it so many times that it was simply driving me insane. (laughs) Other than that, keep up the good work. David, I feel you, man. I too get. I, and I'm sorry that I drove you insane. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> and actually, that's why I haven't said it yet on the podcast. <laughs> and I just called them the clan because. And
1: I wonder if I'm the one who's. Am I the one who's saying cavalry or probably, cavalry? I
0: can't remember. I mean, I just assume if it's a if it's a speaking thing, I'm not only from New Jersey, but yeah I just when I pronounce my wife makes fun of me all the time I'll just pronounce something wrong all the time but then yet I get mad at other people when they do it. Well,
1: and as, so, uh, and as uh, you know, after I, I, I had more than, than 15 years of Catholic education, and so those of us who uh, <laughs> had to relive the Easter uh, Jesus' uh, cl- uh, climb up to Mount Calvary, uh, maybe that's that's why I continue to uh, mix it up. So I will be much more mindful of using cavalry <laughs> instead of Calvary and my uh, my Sunday school outside of our podcast.
0: I'm going to just call – you know what? I'm just going to call them um, – the I from now the on 7K. the seven K the seven K that's it yeah, The yeah. seven <laughs> K thank you though David and seriously uh, I love emails like that because I get caught up in that stuff and and I'm glad that you said something buddy I'll try you know to the, take that the into one
1: account. that gets me the one that gets me all the time is realtor and realtor. Oh, yes. And nuclear and nuclear. (laughs) Oh my God. It drives me insane. (laughs)
0: Well, there was, I can't remember. There was, um, Donald used to yell at me, uh, because on game of Thrones, I'd say Varus or varies or Uh uh Varis or I would just say it like a billion. And every time I say it, I see the word in my mind, Yeah, but I still, Oh, you know, I do it to, um, uh, Tariq all the time. I'll say Tariq Tariq, yeah. Whenever I say uh, there's just certain things that I just I, I I just go back and forth with. We all have them. It's like I'll say pass the ketchup, but I really mean the mustard. Uh
1: huh. Uh huh. <laughs> well, and with with Game of Thrones, there is no internal consistency because I re- I I, I listen to the Game of Thrones audiobooks, and they pronounce the names completely different from how they do in the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So who's who's to say which one is correct? There
0: right? and of course. Both George R. R. Martin and Damon Lindelof are from New Jersey. Okay. Both well, in a go. half hour of my house where I grew up. So I get to mispronounce stuff on their show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Next up is Guy who says, I've noticed that the show does a great job of hiding answers or clues in plain sight. There are a few episodes that zoom in. Uh, there are a few. Uh, oh, sorry. I did it. I'm misreading this. So in this episode, Uh, They zoom in on a gold statue of Ozymandias Adrian Veit. Could it be that Adrian is the gold statue? Hmm. We are still unclear as to when the Adrian and Abar timelines intersect. Perhaps Dr. Manhattan changed Adrian into gold at some point after he was rescued by True and brought back to Earth. Maybe True is desperately trying to find Dr. Manhattan to change Adrian, who I believe is True's birth father, Back to life before the death of Dr. Manhattan. Dr. M is able to predict the exact date and time and location of his death, but not how he is going to die due to the 7th Cavalry use of tachyons from their intrinsic field generator. Both the 7th Cavalry and True are trying to capture Dr. Manhattan for their own selfish reasons. Interesting.
0: I love so- all of this, and guy, I had read this email, and I didn't. I wanted to give you proper credit. We probably talked about a bunch of this with Aaron, and if I didn't uh, give you credit, I apologize because I love all of this, and I love the idea that Doctor Manhattan was inside Cal, and just like you talked about the cut, the the transition. From, from Angela's eyes into Vite, and then from Vite into the statue. the statue. Yeah, yeah. And then they kept on making reference to the statue over and over again. And just like I should listen to my own advice, like Kim said, they keep on showing you something again and again.
1: Yeah, There's and you know, reason. and gold is a mineral that that and I'm wondering if if the way that let's say that the only way for for Vite to escape. Uh-huh. the prison yeah. was to become frozen in gold. <laughs> yeah. And then that gets shot like, through
0: space. Like Han and carbonite.
1: Yeah. So what, she, what, what true that's recovered what from that field was this statue and it is actually him. Yeah.
0: And, and he and somehow, we talked and, but, about but She it. needs
1: Manhattan to help him come out of
0: that. Yeah. And we that, that's, see, that's the part we had talked about that. Um, uh, that, uh, uh on the uh, show with Aaron that we saw, we only saw the statue after that event, right? Yes. So, that, so it could be that that's could how be. the statue got there. We don't know.
1: And, um, tr- uh, and, uh, 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 Lori made the point to say he looks old in that yeah, statue. Exactly. You know, why yeah. would he be an old, <laughs> Hey, I'm really liking this theory. I think I, uh, the idea that Veit has already made it to earth and he's somehow, Trapped in, in in stasis in that gold statue. I like that. Yeah, and I, I
0: and this part, guy. I love this part because this is a part that I had forgot to mention, but now we have it in the email. Is that I love the idea that the, the, these cross purposes. That it appears as though the 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 seventh K is against true, but really they may have want the same thing, which is Doctor Manhattan.
1: They both need Manhattan. They both and have the
0: idea that she would need Manhattan to get him out of the statue is amazing, and I love it. Or to or to you know return him to his
1: yeah. natural state. Uh, that's it's very interesting. Okay, uh, Bill Kava. Ah, Here's here's where uh, B- Bill was the one who shared this information. Uh, my last theory of the series, since I hit on True's daughter being her mother, I think that was one that uh, many of us uh, were speculating as well, Bill. Uh, I'm going to double down and bet it all on Vite being her father. She got his nostalgia stashed in the statue. She will attempt a clone, but will be stopped by Angela and Dr. Ooh, Manhattan. Okay. He is spelling out "Help me daughter on europa yeah that's where uh, that 's where we, I had seen that comment, and I think that would i mean given true 's propensity for being a genius and all this stuff, you know we know from the from the pdpedia information last week that her mother had a great part to do in raising her to be a genius but it also takes uh, it's not just nature it's also nurture it's all not just nurture it's also nature right yeah. so it's very possible that uh that she is the progeny of uh, Andrew Vite
0: and i like very much this idea that bill has perhaps he's not actually in the statue but his nostalgia or his memories so are that she can recreate him, him. yeah I yeah. like that. I like that. Yeah.
1: All right. And then Aaron says, did or did not the child Topher Abar have a gift? So we're talking about Topher, the adopted child of Angela and Cal. For some reason, with me thinking back to an episode where he is building the mansion that looks a lot like the one on the moon holding Vite hostage. Okay. that Those were those Manhattan Lego bricks yeah. that he was using. I swear for some reason, uh, that he was moving or holding that building that he was making in midair. Um,
0: I think that that was the technology. The
1: technology. That's how oh, yeah. That's how I assumed it, that, that the bricks float. Yes. Uh, now, at some point, he destroys the whole thing, but I didn't think it. I, I think he was just, you know, he, he became angry and he just kind of pushed it to the wall. Um, I don't recall there being anything necessarily supernatural other than the bricks themselves using this Manhattan uh, technology.
0: But I will say this, Aaron. I do believe that some of the earlier episodes were purposely kind of pushing us towards Topher. Yes. Maybe it was only to illustrate the relationship that Angela had with him and the connection she had with him. But there were some early theories that he was Dr. Manhattan. Yep,
1: there have been those theories. And who knows? Maybe there's still something to be discovered there. Uh, Then Aaron continues, Dr. Manhattan was around to see Hooded Justice, right? He must have known he was a black man under the white man mask under the hood. I bet he found him very interesting. And that is the connection to wanting to be a black man and date his granddaughter. Now, I don't know because Dr. Manhattan came into being uh, in Gila Flats during the experimentation of the atomic bomb. I don't know if Hooded Justice had already retired by that time. Do you recall timeline-wise how that worked out? I don't Cause, think cuz Manhattan they... was never a member of the Minutemen.
0: Yes, but he wouldn't have to be because he's Doctor Manhattan, right? Like he if he wanted to know that information, he would know it. So I think that it is conceivable, conceivable. that he did know and that is part of the attraction that he had and maybe he sought out Angela.
1: When Manhattan, yeah, I think it, it, also his ability to 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 move through time is limited to his experiences. Uh, so he he can move through his own timeline back and forth. I don't know that he can go back to a time before uh, his own existence. Right. So I. So so, right, but I
0: don't think that that limits the knowledge that, that he can knowledge. glean from other people and from okay, the world. okay, so
1: okay, yeah. So it's very. But I think possible. you're right
0: about that. That well, that's the old time travel thing, right? Like you can only travel within your own existence.
1: Well, that's and I re- and I remember him specifically being asked in the novel things like, you know, why why didn't you stop this from happening or something? And it's because it it wasn't part of his experience, so he can only. He can only intervene in events that he's a part of kind of thing. So.
0: And that was also his understanding of his powers in the original comic, not in the now.
1: comic. That's so. that's what I'm referring to. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah. It could have changed and morphed. And hopefully that's what we'll learn about. Yep. Um, all right. Next one we got from one of the greatest names that has ever written in <laughs> to any podcast I've been a part of. Jelly Donut. Jelly donut says, uh, and I think he's making reference to a conversation that I had with Andy. Okay. Um, I find it odd that either of you think Ozzy is a guy with anything but coal for a heart. I mean, he's an egomaniac, sociopathic narcissist whose contempt for those he considers beneath him, read everyone, allowed him to believe he alone could save the world because he's such a stable genius who has found himself once again with the crew of minions that he brutally murdered and used as skywriting. He lives in an all-white paradise, which surprise is boring as shit and the food sucks because of that blood and soil vegan thing, thinks he's the second. coming of a conquering asshole and wears a shit ton of gold sound familiar he's literally practicing eugenics every time he throws a less than perfect baby back in the river um i <laughs> jelly donut i love this yeah i agree with everything you're saying i just think that what andy and i were saying was that um i believe what i said was he believes himself to be important, and what he does to be important. So he may have had that tear may have been a, a momentary or a realization of what has occurred, but he's still a complete prick, is what I think I said, and I do agree with that. Um, but you know, these characters are uh, tend to be morally ambiguous. And the idea of Watchmen, I believe, is to ask yourself these questions. I don't, I agree with everything you said here, but I st- also do agree that it's within his character to act as if he feels bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even if that's not true. Well, and I think, I think
1: what makes him a compelling character is that even though we know, everything he has done is terrible he doesn't see it that way right he he sees it
0: the right choice you
1: know what he he believes that what he did was you know
0: uh for the better of humanity and that he has the right and privilege to make that decision to make that decision right which is what is horrible he he he
1: doesn't he he, i don't think he can he doesn't understand the moral consequences of his actions yeah but he believes
0: it to be a god
1: that what he did was correct, and that's what makes, that's what makes for interesting uh, uh, characters you know i don 't want to say villains necessarily, but that's what makes for interesting foils, you know, like a character like Thanos in the Marvel movies. What made him so compelling is that he, his logic from a certain point of view made sense, right mm-hmm. uh, so the same way here, you know his, from a logical perspective. Uh, everything that he has done has been for the betterment of humanity. But from a moral perspective, uh, it's insanity. You know, it's psychopathic, like how uh, uh, Jelly Donut describes.
0: Yes, as Jelly Donut describes. And yeah, who were the original superheroes? The the gods, right? Zeus right. And, and like how it's fun. I always love how in Marvel they explain that Our Thor in in human mythology exists because this Thor, who's actually an alien, like visited at some point, right? Like they got to know him. So I've always found that to be interesting, the way they kind of wrote that into history. So in the same respect, Ozymandias sees himself as one of these – as that's the whole thing, his privilege, his greatness. I can decide, I alone. And so I, I agree, Jelly Donut. Jelly Donut continues. I predict that the millennial clock is some sort of electromagnetic pulse device for the squids. I mean, Angela basically took the red pill and discovered she was in the Matrix by uploading a bunch of memories. No one can be told what the Matrix is. I think this will happen to everyone. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's... I think everybody is kind of warming up to that that this is this has to be mesmerizing it ha- it it it's got to be a mirror of what happened with the squid.
1: Right, it's it's some kind of, you know, again, uh I don't want to I'd like to believe that there, that it's going to be surprising, right? That it's not just going to be a repeat of what we've seen before. But it's a, I, I, I definitely think we will see be seeing it as a parallel
0: yes. to the squid yeah. experiment. Nostalgia, mesmerism, when you wrap it up, psychic trauma, psychic racial blast. trauma, yep. memories. Yep. When you put that, it's in some way... That's what we're looking at here. That's um, yeah, exactly. Actually, our next email gets more into that. But before Jelly Donut concludes, I'm also definitely expecting more dick jokes because Lindelof lives for them. Drive shaft. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. He does. He like, there are the leftovers too. Like he. He does like kind of like the potty, funny, silly. Well, wasn't humor. wasn't I
1: mean, there an hurling. ongoing joke in the leftovers about uh, the size of uh, yes of yeah. uh, the, the lead character's penis and yep. stuff? I think that was something that you know.
0: Uh, and that looked. was from real life too. And it was and also, that was, making, yeah,
1: I think it was more from behind the scenes. Yeah. Stuff. yeah.
0: And remember that I think it was also in a way, making fun of that became a thing for a little while. Cause there was a picture of him. And then there was also a picture of uh, Don Draper, the guy who played Don Draper. Yeah. And everyone was like, Oh my God, look, he has the hugest <laughs> penis in the world. And then he would maybe. go on TV and go, yes, of course I do. What am I going to say? No, <laughs>
1: maybe they, maybe they were just carrying an Excalibur in their pants. There
0: you go, baby. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. And then lastly here from another great uh, uh, handle, uh, Lucifer means Lightbringer. bringer. Uh, or, or is it David who goes by Lucifer means Lightbringer? bringer? Yes, he
0: that- is a uh, game of Thrones YouTuber and podcaster. Okay. With him in, in the past.
1: Okay, great. Good well, guy. David from, with Lucifer means Lightbringer, He says lady true and will are planning to use the Cyclops eye tower and the TVs she gave away to beam an experience of racial trauma into everyone's heads in an effort to foster peace. I'm guessing that since this is a massive psychic experiment, some people will die or go insane, and this will be accepted as part of the cost. It's going to mirror the end of Original Watchmen. I think, I think you're on the money with that, and I, That's what we I think the fact about. that we revisited the psychic blast earlier on in this uh, series with the Looking Glass episode May have been as a way to kind of help us kind of then relate that to whatever's going to happen with the activation of the Millennium Clock. I suspect Will's specific trauma will be beamed out to everyone, which means that he will most likely sacrifice himself in order to achieve their goal, just like the squid had to die in order to implant its experiences via psychic shock. The one thing that I'm going to use to counter that is the elephant. Maybe that's where the elephant comes into play. If the elephant is able to hold the memories, then maybe Will doesn't have to be sacrificed. Or maybe he
0: already did.
1: Or maybe he already did, exactly, because we were expecting to see him in that room, and instead we saw the elephant. Throughout the show, they're asking us how far we would go to achieve Just Ends. It feels cool to see the hero saddle up and crack skulls, down at the Klan meeting, but did we just cheer for police using fascist tactics? Well, and this goes back to Mm -hmm. Laurie's conclusion of why the police were wearing masks because, you know, once you put everybody behind a mask, you can't tell who's a good guy or who's a bad guy.
0: Exactly. And, and I think that that was, you know, it was the first episode when Angela takes that, um, uh, seven K member and just, basically tortures him for yep. information yep. and then we continue on so that's why when people were kind of surprised that Angela had deceived us or you know her character is acting differently i was like not really this is she's a bit more complex you're trying to fit her into this right. hero role but we've already seen her act in ways that are contrary to her own belief because she was also at one point against the police taking up the guns and fighting. So you see that people have contradictory motives. And in the end, perhaps her motive had become, her vision had become cloudy because maybe she, her motive was to protect Cal or, you know, to protect this life they had mm-hmm. above all else, which maybe is not in line with taking down the 7K and all that. Also,
1: remember that in this episode, we got to see that from a very young age, she had a very black and white kind of understanding of justice. Right. And, you know, she even wanted to witness the execution of of the guy who blew Mm -hmm. the bomb.
0: Yeah.
1: So she has there's some interesting, you know, different but interesting type of trauma that has been a part of her life that has shaped uh, kind of what her what, what her own uh, v- view of justice is. Yeah,
0: that was her coping mechanism. It she, was. She had no other choice but to see things that way. And in that, you know, that reminded me a lot of Dr. Manhattan, right? That mm. kind of added, this is the way things happen. You Someone do, yeah. killed my parents, I'm going to hear them get killed.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, and then uh, David continues. Giving white America an understanding of what black America has gone through would be a good thing. But if the only way to do it is by violating the mental sovereignty of everyone, that's a little more difficult.
0: Yeah, talk about being woke.
1: Kind of that idea of do the ends justify the means, right? And lastly, Angela will be in a position to decide if she agrees with Will and Lady True's plan, just as Night Owl and Sil Spectre were in that position when they discovered Azamandia's plan in OG Watchmen. And so, as we know, Night Owl and Sil Spectre made the decision to keep the truth hidden and maybe this is where angela is going to have to uh to make a decision as to whether or not she will reveal whatever the you know whatever this this plan is and however it gets executed may lead to angela having to keep to make the decision to keep it a secret
0: yes i definitely that's a, that was great man wow what great yeah. Uh, feedback, thank you everyone. We really appreciate all of it. That's great stuff, and I, yeah, I definitely think that we're leading up now. We're really, it's so crazy that we're really only getting to know our lead character. We're hoping to get to know her in the second to last episode. I know, and I think that's brilliant the way they've done
1: Very bold, uh, very bold approach to the character. I mean, I hope. I hope Damon is a and and crew are able to pull it through because it's it's not a typical move to no. to do something like this to to be lead, excuse me leading us on uh, believing that we were kind of understanding this show from her perspective mm-hmm. only to have that kind of uh, usurped in this last episode.
0: It's brilliant, man, and it just shows the way that they used. Like I do think Game of Thrones did, perhaps not in the final seasons, but where they properly use the source material as not as like a safety net or um, as a way of convincing people that this show was justified, but as a reality, as a truth. Yeah. That they could then, you know, that he could then manipulate and flip, but it was so strong. It was such a backbone or such a cornerstone of the series that that was kind of our guidepost. And it allowed Angela to be this type of character that could have motives that we were unsure of. And then in the end, be be hiding the biggest secret of all and us to accept it, but still want to know her more uh, and empathize. Right. Right. Because I think for me, what resonates is that she lost Cal. Right? Like if they did make a decision for Dr. Manhattan to go into Cal, she didn't talk to him like he was Dr. Manhattan. She talked to him like he was Cal. She committed to the experiment as well. So she Cal became a new thing. He's a he became a person. So it was a symbiotic thing, and that must have been—that's a great loss for her to have to do that. Right, you know.
1: Right. I mean, it's whatever the the reason for Manhattan taking on Cal's identity. Um, this is going to be ha- having to now expose him it is going to be a, a costly sacrifice for her. Yeah.
0: Wow. All right. You got anything else you want to say?
1: I think I'm good.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. I just want to thank Kim, David, Guy, Bill, Aaron, Jelly Donut, and David again, LML. (laughs) I also want to give a quick thanks to Rachel Rose, who who gave me a very nice compliment on Twitter. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everyone who has uh, written in. You're all entered into the contest, of course. We're going to give away something from Cufflinks at the second to last episode. and Or maybe we'll do it on the last episode because that's going to be with um, me, Aaron, and Roberto. We're all getting together.
1: Right. We're going to do one episode in the final week, and it'll be all all of us in one show.
0: Yep. That's going to be awesome. So uh, I will be back on Sunday this week with Dan from Tower of Babel. Go subscribe to their podcast, get to know him. That's going to be awesome. Looking forward to this episode penultimate. Then we'll run the gamut of Aaron and I and Roberto and I again, and then we'll be back for the finale. So until then, peace out, everybody.
1: Awesome. That was great.